today. It says, thank you for all you've done. I know from my own self that my mother means a lot to me. My wife means a lot to me and what she does uh, for my children, for this family, and for this church. And then my mother-in-law means a lot to me also. I have, well, I say three mother figures in my life at least. Amen? And so I'm appreciative to them. And what I want uh, for us as men, for us, uh, us boys, if we could stand up and give our hand clap to our mothers. Can we do that real quick? We just stand up. Come on, stand up and clap our, you can, clap our mothers up. Let's clap them up, all our boys. Because this is the thing. This is the thing. Today our sermon is talking about halftime. And, and, and when you get to the halftime of your life, it's something. Now, many of us are going to look at it as, oh, I'm, I'm 50 years old, but I don't want you to look at it like that. I want you to look at it like this, that when we're playing a football game or a basketball game, there are many times you get behind in the score. You're down by 21. You're down by seven. You can be down whatever, but you're losing. And you come to the halftime of your life. In those halftime games, my best coaches, if you were down, my best coaches when I play football, my best coaches like, okay, it's time for a pep talk. Because y'all didn't seem to get your mind right. When I became a coach, the halftime was essential. Because whatever happened in that locker room for that 12 minutes, and understand, the halftime is a small, small moment compared to the rest of the game. But you got to have this halftime to get your mind right so that you can win the game. Because if you have a bad halftime, more likely you're going to have a bad second half. So today we're talking about halftime. We're coming out of Job 32, and we're going to be going through verses 32 through 34. Job chapter 32 through 34. And in and, and a halftime, you are going to have an a, uh, a introduction. In halftime, you're going to have an introduction, an introduction, an introduction in halftime. And, and, and in, that, in that introduction, uh, we have who? Job's had three friends that have spoken to him, spoken to him harshly, that the only reason why you're here is because you, uh, and you lost everything because of sin, Job. But Elihu is the youngest of the crew. Elihu has been quiet the entire time. Elihu has not said anything. And in fact, Elihu is going to say that, you know what? I was quiet because you are older men. I was quiet because out of respect, I want to listen to your wisdom. But Elihu is going to let them know that just because you're old don't mean you're wise. Are there some old fools out there? Sometimes we can be the old fool, but there's some old fools out there. And Elihu said, there's some old fools in here. And I'm going to include you too, Job. There were some old fools in there. And Elihu had got so upset. Some commentar uh, commentaries look at him as a young, e egotistical person. And I would normally say, yeah. But I think where they were coming from, when anytime we hear a young person tell off an old person, we're like, well, who are you? You know, we dare our children tell us where we're wrong. But the truth is, were we wrong? That's the honest truth. The truth is the truth. Were we wrong? You know, sometimes my, my youngest daughter, my daughter, who's only four, would say, Daddy, we weren't supposed to do that, were we? And I'm looking like, well, I guess we weren't, but I mean, you ain't got to tell me. 
Because the thing is, I'm disrespecting her age, not her truth. Her truth is still the truth. Truth is truth. It's not a relative thing, it's an absolute thing. When we get upset when somebody tells us the truth, but especially someone young, and here Elihu is a young man, and he's about to tell some truth. He's about to tell some truth. It says that, so these three men ceased answering Job because he was righteous in his own eyes. Then the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barshel, a Buzanite of the family of Ram, was aroused against Job. His wrath was aroused because he justified himself rather than God. Also, against his three friends, his wrath was aroused because they found no answer, yet had condemned Job. Now, because they were years older than he, Elihu had waited to speak to Job. When Elihu saw there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, his anger arose more. See, we get to the halftime speech. Elihu is going to let it be known. We get to halftime speech. That's what I want us to get to. He is basically like the coach that's in. And understand, when I was a coach, I was not the head coach. But I was asked by the head coach to come in because I had the speaking ability to, to get revved up. And you're like, Mark, I need to go talk to him. I need to go talk to him before we go back out here. I said, okay, we'll get it done. And we will talk it up. We will talk it up that you are better than this. When Elihu gets to a point, he said, I want, I'm not the head coach. But I've been empowered by the Lord to is not right here, Job. Something is not right. All y'all friends of Job. Something's not right. Now I want to speak to the truth. Elihu had became angry about the situation. Elihu's wrath was against Job. Now, why was it against Job? Because Job was trying to justify himself. Now look at what God was trying to do. Job was trying to justify himself against what his friends had talked to him about. But Job was on the justification of himself. And the point that it was getting to a point where, are you being arrogant, my man? Are, are, are you, do you have a chip on your shoulder? And Elihu wanted him to understand that you might have been doing good things, but we all have yet sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all are mortal. We all are men. And we're not greater than God. So I want us all to understand that. Elihu is coming for his halftime speech. And he wants you to understand that he sees that Job is seeing a righteous uh, point of view in his own eyes. You ever talk to somebody that they think they, they self don't stink? Like, they, like they, you cannot tell them anything. You ever had a child that was like that? Were you trying to tell them and, and tell them about your past situations? Tell them how you have struggled? Tell them of your failures? And hear? And, and they don't want to hear anything? You ever had somebody at the job like that? You ever even maybe had a, a, a spouse or a loved one? Who you trying to tell them something, but they don't want to hear it? You trying to even tell them from your experience, what you've been through. Some of us have been locked up in jail cells and we see it that our children or our nieces and nephews or friends are repeating the same mistakes. Some of us have lost jobs and don't understand that why our children and nephews and friends commit the same mistakes. We're trying to tell them you shouldn't be late. You know, when I was late, I got fired. And they know I ain't going to get fired. You don't know what you're talking about. The next week they got fired. Now, you don't want to come back and say, well, I told you so. But you're trying to let them know that I know what I'm talking about. But 
even in that, they don't want to hear what you have to say. Well, Job was in this manner. Job had been debating so much with his friends. He like, I ain't talking to y'all. I'm just going to tell y'all, I have not done anything wrong. I'm a praying man. I pray for my children. I did this and that, and I didn't do anything wrong. I'm not in a situation because I'm a sinner. I'm not in this situation because I did something wrong. Job had got to a point, he was not trying to listen to anybody, but just justify himself. God wants us to understand, we still have to be humble through the storm. We still got to be humble through our situation. So Elihu was disappointed with the debate. Y'all have come up in here and told Job one thing, and y'all don't even, y'all got so tired, y'all gave up. God does not want us to give up on people. Elihu got so upset because not only did y'all not find an answer for Job, not only is Job justifying himself, but y'all just gave up. Y'all were supposed to be the old school. Y'all are supposed to be wise. Y'all supposed to have the answers. But y'all telling me y'all just gave up? How many times have we have given up on somebody? God is asking us, at least pray for him. If you say, I'm tired of engaging them in this and that, I'm, I'm just tired. They're saying, well, at least pray for him. You should never cease for wanting to pray for somebody. So we still have to engage them. Now, hair time is also used as a place to correct mistakes. Now, I want you to see, now, many of us got a game plan. You know, you come into the game with a plan. You know, we're going to run the ball to the right. That's what we're going to do. Now, at the first half of the game, you've been running the ball to the right. They've been just stopping. You can't even get over the, the one-yard line. You can't even get a yard. You have not got a whole first down. Now, let me ask you, does it make sense to come back the second half and run the ball to the right? If they stop you on the right side the first time? Some of us have been repeating the same mistake over and over and over again. Some of us, and we were told we lost a job because we were late. We go to the next job and we're late. We lost that job. Now you go to the third job and you're late again. What you think about to happen? First two times you got fired. Third time going to happen again. You got to change the game plan a little bit. That's what the halftime is for. See, when we get fired or when we lose somebody or, 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 or when a relationship breaks up, it's a time for us to look back at what did I do wrong. Meantime, we have relationships where we have broken up with somebody and we justify like I ain't do anything wrong. You know, it's their loss. They should have left me. There's nothing in that relationship you didn't do it wrong. There's nothing in that relationship. Did you pray together? See, if you didn't pray together, that's, a, that's an issue. Did you go to church together? Did, did, you, did you get in the word together? See, those things are essential about successful relationships. Were you able to communicate? Or was your communication always uh, uh, on a 10? Where all y'all did was yell at one another. That's a problem. Some of us have come with relationships with baggage from our mamas and daddies. We saw mama and daddy fight every day. We think we're supposed to come and fight every day. Because that's all we have learned. But God is saying, when you get in your word and you get with me, things change up. You got to change the game plan. You say, well, mama and daddy were together, but they did break up. And mama tried to date another guy, and that didn't work out either. You see what I'm saying? You're going through these same cycles. You're at a halftime in your life. When will you come to the halftime point in your life to say, you know what? I've been playing the same game, and I'm losing. 
Some of us are in here have been dating one guy after another guy after another guy. And all the same type of guy. We like, I like them type of guys. But you keep dating the same type of guys. You're not dating the same, you're not dating the same guy. You're just dating the same type. Even that is not successful. Got to change the game plan. Well, I like a rough neck. Rough neck gonna rough you up? I'm gonna leave it there. But some of us have got, got into the same position over and over and over again, and we're wondering why is it not being successful? Because the play does not work. God is saying, I have a plan for you, and you're not operating within my plan. But you gotta humble yourself first to recognize it. See, when you come into the halftime, it's a humbling experience. You can choose to stay on the field, or you can come into the locker room and get your, your, uh, your, your mind right. Some of us have decided to stay on the field, we don't wanna go in the locker room, cause we don't wanna hear the noise. We don't wanna hear the, the truth. So we stay on the field and we wanna uh, to live the lie. But you're wasting time when you're out on the field because you receive no rest and you receive no teaching and receive no, no feeding. Because when you go into the locker room, there's water there, there's Gatorade there, there's oranges there, there's some talking there, there's some time to sit down and rest. When you stay on the field and avoid the locker room, when you stay on the field, you get no rest and you're just living this lie. When you go into the locker room, you're going to receive some truth about yourself. It will hurt, but you receive truth about yourself so do you want to live the lie and keep losing or receive the truth and possibly win Amen. see God is asking that of us Job is hearing Elihu he gets really into Job's draws because this is the thing he said Job you have claimed that you're pure you have claimed that you're innocent and and you have done all these things, and, and he goes, surely you have spoken it in my hearing. And I've heard the sound of your words. I am pure without transgression. I'm innocent. There is no guilt in me. Behold, he invents pretext against me. He counts me as his enemy. He put my feet in the stocks. He watches all my paths. Behold, let me tell you, you are not right in this. For God is greater than man. God is greater than man. See, Job had came to a point, uh, my stuff don't stink, brother. I don't know why I'm going through this, but my stuff don't stink. I'm not the one who's wrong. Well, if I'm not the one who's wrong, who's wrong then? Think about that in your own life. If I'm not wrong, who's wrong? Many times we try to blame the other person. But in, in really big picture life, we're blaming God. Well, I'm not wrong. I know I dated so-and-so three months ago. Now I'm dating this dude now. And, I, and this ain't working out either. But it ain't me. I always tell people, Halle Berry looks beautiful. But I think something might be wrong with Halle Berry. I want to touch Halle Berry. Because every man that leaves Halle Berry got some bad reputation. Hear this, hear that. Halle Berry very beautiful. Her, her baby daddy, now he a racist. Every dude that leaves Halle Berry leave on bad terms. Every dude. At a certain point in time, it's not the dudes, it's got to be you. Because even in math, it's called something a common denominator. See, because with a common denominator, there, there's a common place of origin of the source of your problems. The hardest thing to take on is me. I'm the jacked up mess. 
I'm the stuff doing the fool. Meantime, we get in so-called relationships, and, and I want you to understand, pastor's been there. Pastor was dating, before he married his wife, dating women who were the same type. I'm losing. Losing. I don't know why. What's wrong? What's wrong? I went outside of my type and got, you know, and when you get outside your type, you can get real spiritual and logical. I love that about God because God wants you to walk on faith, but part of that faith, he got a little logic in there, but he's going to walk you on faith. He said, okay, you went here, you went there. Won't you? I got something of favor for you here. You may have overlooked what I had of favor over here. Some of us have overlooked some people in our lives that God says, I know they're not a CEO yet. I know they don't have uh, their own house yet. I know they are driving a used car now. But I have a favor over them that I'm going to do something special in their life. Some of us will go and get some jacked up mess and try to transform it into some miracle. We think we're the miracle workers. No, baby. Baby, if he was struggling over there and you say, well, I can, I can fix him. You can't fix anybody. You are struggling to fix yourself. How are you going to fix this man? Who mama come fix him? Who auntie and big mama come fix him? So you're trying to fix somebody who in himself does not want to make the choice to fix himself. He does not want to give his life to Christ, but you want to, let's go to church. No, what you need to do, a man, and I'm going to break it real down Mother's Day. Can I break it down? See, we got a lot of punk men, and, 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 and too many of our women are allowing these punk men to be with them. Because, see, when you don't want to be a man, then that's what a man does. A man will leave his house in God's word. It's not the wife leading him to church. He is leading us to church. It's not my wife who leading me in prayer. I'm leading the whole family in prayer. I'm the leader. It is not my job or my wife's job to be the leader of my house. If you got a man like that, he's not a man. He's a male by definition. He's not a man of God. If you got a man who is who who every woman know something wrong because a man is not a dog. And if you got a man that you got to take care of him, a man is not a child. A man is a man. He gets up and work. He provides financially. He provides spiritually. He provides emotionally. That's what a man does. How do I know that? Because Jesus Christ did that. A man can cry at the same time a man can produce financially. Too many times we are accepting men from their mama's house who are still children. Oh, you can be 70 years old still be a child. Well, my mama still live with me. Yo, mama 90, right? Yeah, but you know, I got to take care of my Yo, mama take care of you. You getting a check off your mama. You say, I ain't seen that. I seen it. So, so we have to get to a point, just as with Job, getting back in here, just like with Job. Job had to get real. And Elihu was the one getting real with him. But Elihu had a standard. We had to have standards. You know, you just can't drive because you want to drive. Right? You have to pass a test. Does somebody in your life, if they're coming in your life, have to pass a test? Or do you say everybody who's coming in? Will you date any man? Or do you have a standard? Because understand, when I finally set my standards, I finally got my wife. 
When I finally set my standard, I finally got my gift of God. I set my standard. I wanted a godly woman. I wanted a woman that loved the Lord. I wanted a woman that, as my mama did, don't lay up. Want to work. You may not be working, but you're trying to work somewhere. That's what I was born and raised into. I never knew a day my mama took off. My mama worked at night, came into school in the morning. I know for her children's sake, there are years she cut off for her children. Because she could have had a nice house, she could have had a new car, she could have had all those things. But she even chose to work night and say, I'm not going to send y'all to public school, I'm going to use my last dollar and send y'all to private school. Now understand, my mama didn't go get any C Maddens, my mama didn't even go to pay less. She said, I'm going to use every dime that I have to invest in my children. Now, that was my mama. That was my standards. What is your standards? Now, understand, my standards were rooted in the Bible. I'm not coming in, well, I want my wife to look like Beyonce. Well, you know, you're going to get some Beyonce, too. You're going to get some drunken love mess in your life. I want my wife to be light-skinned. Well, you're going to get some light-skinned mess. But if your, if your if your standard is rooted in the word, because this is what Job did. He was not making his standard rooted in the word. He's, he said, I'm going through this mess, and I don't know why, because I'm perfect. And Elihu is trying to tell you, you're not perfect, Job. You, you are a sinner yourself. You, have, you might not be here because you have sinned, but you are a sinner. You're not perfect. You're struggling like the rest of us struggling. You, you've been going through a storm like the rest of us. You're not better than God. So if you're not going to blame yourself, then you're blaming God. And I'm telling you, Job, I'm telling you, you got to look in the mirror at yourself. The man in the mirror is trying to tell you something. I'm struggling. I need the Lord. And even if you've done everything right, you still got to bow down to God. Because God did not, God did not have no father. He is the creator. God is Alpha and Omega. Job, you're not bigger than God. That's why that last, God, for God is greater than man. We're not on the same level. That's our struggle. Our struggle is we want to control what God has done. We want to control how God is working. We want to control, we want to be a puppet master to God. And God said, do you not know I'm the potter and you're the clay? So Elihu was getting in them draws. Elihu, you ever had somebody really tell you the business about yourself? And, and, and sometimes you don't want to listen to that, amen? Someone's right now, someone's all right now already saying, ouch, pastor. You've been ouching us a little bit. Did anybody got an ouch moment? It's already saying, I, got a, I had an ouch. I had an ouch. I'm ouching myself. Why do I say that? And we about to get into our, the, the third point. For, go back for me one second. For God is greater than men. So Monday, two Mondays ago, because of my health insurance, we had to go get a physical. I said, well, because of my health insurance, I don't want to pay extra. I don't get this health uh, physical. Go down there to get the physical. Come back in a, a week so we can do the blood report. All right. Now, pastors don't like needles, but we, we took the blood. Came back the next week. This is it, uh, uh, Mr. Morrell. Uh, you know, you got to lose this weight. Well, I know that. Uh, you got diabetes. What? 
Thank you. That's what I said too. Because this was the thing. See, I had justified myself. I had excused myself. I'll get it together later. I, I, I'll work on it later. And, and God said, I don't get your attention. I don't get your attention. Then she started talking about, you know, you're going to have to really watch your feet. Now, I don't know about y'all ladies, but y'all seen us when we take our shoes off. You know, men do not take care of their feet like y'all do. You know that. You know, you know, ain't, there's no man in here that might be a man. But most of the men got a Fred Flintstone feet. It look a hot mess. It look like we just been walking on dirt somewhere. You know? And so when she said, take care of your feet, I'm thinking like, oh my goodness. My feet do hurt a little bit. And, and I don't know if it's hurting now because you said it or was it was hurting before. But all I know right now, I'm like, my feet, my feet. Because I know I've had family members and friends who have had diabetes and lost a limb. I started thinking about that. I started thinking of some people who have lost their life and, and they had children and they were gone because they did not take care of themselves with diabetes and so forth. But I had justified myself. She, came, she had given me a halftime moment. And I had a choice to make. Am I going to live the life I was living already? Or am I going to go out on the second half of life and really do something different? I decided on that day, on that day, I got to make a difference. I, I can't live like I've been living the first half. The first half, I did what I wanted to do. The plays looked like they were working. But the truth is, I'm losing. Because I, I like to win in all parts of the game. I just don't want to run the ball. I want to throw the ball. I just don't want to throw the ball. I want to do kickoff return. I just don't want to do kickoff return. I want to do pump return. I want to have great cheerleaders. I want to have the whole game denominated or dominated by me. But I was not dominated. Well, a person saw, and I know it makes a difference. When they see me, oh, that's a good man. Man, he got a little weight on him, don't he? I said, I have to make a change. Sister Daniels had said to me last year, Pastor, you have to have your mind made up. I'm like, I got my mind made up. No, I ain't didn't have my mind made up. Because the, when you get to the halftime of life, you have to have your mind made up to make a difference when you walk out that locker room. Oh, I didn't have my mind made up. But I have my mind made up when you talk about taking my foot. I have my mind made up when you talk about my life. I had my mind made up when it came to a reality of, of my, I can maybe not see my children grow up. It came to reality, I may not be able to walk my daughter down the aisle. It, it came to my mind made up because I don't want to be a punk man. I want to be a leader in my house. It came to my mind in that locker room that I was sitting that I got to have my mind made up. So since that day, I, even had, I haven't had a soda. Have I been tempted? Oh, yes. I love Cherry Coke. I love Pepsi. I love all the dark sodas. <laughs> but I haven't had, amen. But I have not had one since. It's been some straight water and some straight water with some lemons. Amen. But what's happened is, now the, and, and also eating right, what's happened since then, the weight is going down. I'm getting on the scale. Yesterday, I, I'm seeing since I, 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 and since two weeks ago, which I was like, oh Lord, I'm at that, I'm at that weight. And then a week later, I got diabetes. Since all that, I've lost 17 pounds. Now I don't say that to just let y'all know, but, but understand, I, I was if I, I was far off into sin. I 
want you to understand I'm struggling, but I was justifying myself. Who else has a similar story? You were justifying yourself and you were struggling and you said, well, I was born like this or, or, or my mama did this like this. At a certain point, God is saying, you are going to have to man up and make your mind up. Will you follow me or not? Because this is the thing. God has your back. Amen. That's what I had to understand. Since then, I've gotten deeper in my word. This, going through this series... Going through this series, before I went into that doctor's office, I had a car accident. After going to that doctor's office, my car was total. I'm like, why is it total? Because it costs too much of Okay. Had to be shepherded around for a whole week because I don't have a car. Uh, all other things happening. People talking about me at my job. All of these things happening. So, some struggles that were happening uh, within at Rosen. All different struggles. And God is saying, I'm bringing you to a message. I want you to understand. I want you to let everyone know. God has your back. If you say, I'm going through the struggle though, God has your back. But the, but my baby daddy won't ever help even pay for a pamper. Not pampers, pamper. God has your back. But I, I, I'm, these men who want to talk to me, I, I don't know. God has your back. But I'm struggling with my, my sexuality. God has your back. I'm looking for a job and no one's calling me back. God has your back. You're, you're saying that I'm lost and I can't see. God has your back. You gotta understand, God had your back throughout it all. God had your back through your storm. He had your back through your tribulation. Even when Job lost everything, God was still in the midst. Cause he told Satan, you can do all these things, but you would not touch his life. God had his back. You may not understand why you're going through it and when you're going through it and how you're going through it, but God's got your back. You may say, but I come with a pedigree. I, I went to this school. I, I know this person and I did this. And God's saying, baby, do you know me though? Do you know me as your Lord and Savior? It, the most important thing in your life because if it's who you know that oh I know the mayor I know a council person I know a senator if that's the most important thing in your life understand that's gonna dictate your losing streak but when you know God and when you know a champion when you know a conqueror he said that when you are working through me you're more than a conqueror means you have a guaranteed victory in Greek when you say I can do all things. It's about I can do all things to Christ. Who what? Then he's going to put strength in me. That's what Christ Jesus will do. So God has my back. Well, God can't be wicked. God cannot pervert justice. God is the one who is in charge of this earth. God is the one who created this whole time. So we get to our last. When God's got me, we get to our last part. Well, I want us just to read something. We can get there. We won't go through them scriptures. Keep on going. When we get to this point, when we get to this point, it is halftime. What will you do next? It is halftime. You are down by seven. Are you ready to change the game plan or we stick to the same place? It's halftime. Anybody at halftime? I was at halftime on Monday. Anybody at halftime? See, because I was at a halftime. And I had to make a choice. I couldn't be ashamed of what I was struggling with. I couldn't be, I couldn't hold on to the past. I couldn't hold on to more, more McDonald's and sweet 
brown and all that mess. Can't hold on to no more fried pork chops. Sugar, for real, Pepsi. Can't hold on to that. Not to the classic Pepsi. I need to hold on if it is anything to him, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. There was a lady who had a, a situation for over a decade. She had went to every doctor in the town. They could not fix her issue. But she saw Jesus was coming into town. And when she saw Jesus, she said, I got enough faith. If I hold on just to the hem of his garment, just to the hem of his garment, I will be healed. Right now, I'm just holding on to the hem of his garment. I might not be in a full embrace of Jesus Christ, but I'm on the hem of his garment. I'm not going to let go until I, I get all of my blessings. I will not let go of this Christ in my life until I see this church be magnified and change the whole community. I will not let go until I see my children go in esteem to the far possibilities and potential who they are. I will not let go until I lose all the weight until I'm fully healthy. I'm not going to let go. Who today say I don't want to let go of Christ Jesus because we're about to open the doors of the church this morning. I want to know on this Mother's Day, this is a good thing about Mother's Day. You are a mother because you gave birth to a new situation. On this Mother's Day, there's a genesis that happens. There's a birth that happens. On Mother's Day, on Mother's Day, this Mother's Day, you can have a new beginning this morning. You say, Pastor, I'm not accepted Jesus Christ. Let's get real. I'm not talking about you went to church. That does not make you a Christian. I'm not talking about what well, my mama and my grandmama always taught me Jesus. That don't make you a Christian. I'm talking about this morning. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, Lord and Savior, Master over your life and saving you from your simple your mess. If you don't know Jesus in that way, not that you believe that there was a Jesus, but you believe that Jesus died on a cross for your sin. You believe that Jesus not only died, but he got into a borrowed tomb. Not only that he got in a borrowed tomb, but on three days later, that early Sunday morning, he got up with all power. If you don't believe that, you're not a Christian. Now understand, I want you to hear me clearly. There's only one way to the Father. There's not many highways. There's one way. Think about if we had only 175. That was the only place you could go. That was the only place you could go to get up north. Well, that's how it is. It is only one highway to God. There ain't no many roads. There's one road and one highway, and that's Jesus Christ. So I'm telling you this morning, if you don't know Jesus Christ this morning, why not on Mother's Day, a birthday? Why not make it a birthday for you? And if you don't have a church home, I want you to understand, victory, I told you, we're not going to let the let loose of the hem of our Lord's garment until this church been magnified. So if you don't have a church home, why don't you make victory, Baptist church, your church home? Victory is about making change for God's kingdom. We're not about building a building, but we are about building the kingdom of God right here at Roseland. So, on this day, once you come down, and lastly, if you say I've been struggling, I'm a prayer pastor, I, I need, I, 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 I'm in the halftime of my life, and I want to rededicate my life.
I'm tired of losing because I'm not with God. Why not this morning? Let the chains be broken off of you. Let the chains be broken off of you and accept his son of Jesus Christ. But rededicate your life if you are a Christian. Why not this morning? Say, I need prayer. And I want to rededicate my life to Christ. The door of the church open. Amen.